Hello, it's Shahid and welcome back to another Creative Floor Awards podcast. Just to let you know that our awards final deadline was the 14th of April, but due to a huge request for more time, we have issued a final call, which will be this Friday, the 21st of April. I'm afraid there's no more extensions after this, unfortunately. So please don't miss out on that if you want to be part of this year's awards. We have a shout out for Boom CGI, be it CGI illustration, animation, post-production, VFX or creative content. Their team of unique artists are passionate about turning those technical words into emotive content. They work closely alongside the most talented teams and advertising agencies in the world. In fact, they've just finished this year's incredible Creative Floor Awards animation, which will be out um, probably now on all social channels. So do check it out. I think it's pretty stunning. So if you'd like to see more of what Boom could do for you, go visit them at boomcgi.com. Right, onto the podcast. Uh, this was easily the most requested topic for us to cover this season, and it's all about artificial intelligence. So we've pulled together a wonderful panel for this discussion. I think this will really help anyone who pretty much knows nothing about this space and for all those who are heavily, heavily into it. We talk a lot about the threats, the opportunities, and what we all need to be doing next with some really helpful tips into exactly how to immerse yourself and where to do it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please do give us a rating and a review. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did recording it. Here you go. Welcome back to another Creative Floor Awards podcast. We have a brilliant panel for you today. We are joined by Head of Experience Design, FCV Health, AKA Chief Cool Guy, Chris Cedar. Hello there, thanks for having me. No, not at all, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about the rise of the robots and you know, it's something that everybody's been talking about. It's been in every headline, so this is gonna be great. Yeah, and, and I guess you're kind of rising right now, right? Because it's pretty early in the morning, your side of the world, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an 8 a.m. right now, uh, but it's, uh, it's doable. So, you know, I'm New awake. York, right? You're in New York. Yeah, here in New York. Um, I've had my coffee, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Well, welcome. And we also welcome the Director of Creative Engineering, FCB Health, Joe Grafe. Hello. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Not quite onto the wine yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for getting up so early as well, because you're stateside too. So yeah, thank you so much. Massively looking forward to this. Last but not least, very, very good friend of the show and the podcast. Welcome fellow podcaster of Digitally Sick, Mr. Faisal Ahmed. Wagwa. Right. How are you doing? Right. <laughs> I'll tell you what, right? We're all, we're all ex-colleagues, aren't we? And this is a team I've had the most creative ideas with. I think we should just answer a brief on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the crazy ideas I've had with you, Joe, in the past yeah. is just amazing, right? We have. It's. I, I was just telling Chris the other day, I missed the uh, the early morning calls with Faisal. It's... Um, you know, when, 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 uh, when, when forces joined back in the day and, uh, 
you know, we met, it was, it was great. And we would have those early morning calls and just totally geek out. And, uh, I think we should still do that. I think we'd, uh, you know, we should, uh, start scheduling calls in the morning. Keeps, not, keeps not, a podcast, not, not podcast that I'm late to, but just regular calls. <laughs> <laughs> early morning geek outs. Let's do it. Well, Pfizer, you've probably got a load of briefs on your desk. If you want to throw one in now, we can, you know, probably get some answers by the end of it if you want. So, yeah, um, let me yeah. grab one and we'll do it. It'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Cool. All of you, thank you so much for joining. Um, this was one of the most requested topics this year. Everyone wanted us to cover AI. You know, Rise of the Robots was a title that came from interestingly enough our first podcast of season five from another panelist called adrian parr so thank you aid for that and i guess this is like a little bit of a secret to anyone listening because anytime i want to find anything out about anything digital or technology or i just want to bounce some ideas around these are the three people that i basically get (laughs) get everything from so secrets out but hey, I just thought there couldn't be three more interesting, more knowledgeable, more exciting people to kind of get on here and just talk about this. As most people know now, there's absolutely zero format <laughs> to these episodes. But selfishly, I think it would be brilliant if we were able to maybe unpack some of the societal effects of what's going on in this space. So let's sort of like not think about day-to-day healthcare agency world. Let's just sort of think about and chat about what's going on in the world, thinking about other industries. And then I think once we've kind of unpacked that a little bit, then maybe we can then get into the, you know, drill it down into the everyday agency person, the everyday creative person who sat there in an agency. What can they do with this technology? You know, where do they go? And maybe some future predictions of, um, of opportunities for them and for all of us. Does that sound all okay? That sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let me kick it off because it's a bit, bit, bit unfair for me to just sort of like, you know, chuck a hot potato to one of you lot and go talk about AI <laughs> in the world right now. I'll go random now because this is what I sort of do. I mean, I read somewhere the other day from a military perspective that China, I think I mentioned this to you, Chris and Joe, the other day when we were having a conversation that apparently China has these supersonic missiles, right? Mm-hmm. That's so fast that in in theory, if they wanted to attack the United States of America, there basically wouldn't be enough time for, you know, the head of intelligence in the US to basically call Joe Biden or the president, whoever it is at the time, get them to say, yes, we need to hit the red button too and intercept this missile and, you know, fire one back. Basically, the only way that they would have a chance of stopping that missile and defending themselves is for an AI to basically launch its own interceptor and its own missile to defend itself, which is kind of interesting and kind of Terminator territory too. But I think there was something quite terrifying about reading that, but it also sort of speaks to some of the ethics that are around AI. So again, I'm just sort of chucking that ball into the ring, just seeing where we can maybe kick, kick that and see where we land. That, that's a deep one. That is a yeah. That's a that's a really dark one to start with, Sheed. I thought you were going to talk about the AI powered joke machine at first. But, <laughs> right, well, we can do that. We went right into it. I think you need to stop reading those stories, right? Just for your own health. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I'll say it is quite interesting. I you know all 
you know, put AI aside, you know, just for a minute and, and, and just thinking about, you know, how, just in general, how war, how wars are, are being held right now. It's like, you know, we still have, you know, there are boots on the ground, you know, there are, you know, there, there you know, we, you know, there are folks that are, that are, you know, with guns and things like that, but I don't think most people realize like the cyber war that is happening right now. Like, it's just not in the news. If, and, you know, unless you're, unless you're really into the technology and you're listening to podcasts and you're reading, you know, all the tech, you know, websites and really have an understanding of what's going on. Um, you know, I, I mean, I still go back. I mean, m- most people don't even realize like, what was it about 10 years ago? Was it Stuxnet or whatever it was when we walked into an Iranian, you know, I think, I believe it was a, 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 a nuclear facility and someone put a USB drive in and basically shut the whole thing down. Right. So, you know, this has been going on for years, but now you start, like you're saying, Shahid, you start adding some sort of intelligence to some of these programs and and things can happen at, at, at fractions of a second and start making decisions. Um, you know, you're talking, I mean, you're going to a place where I feel like it's like war games almost, right? That was that Matthew Broderick sort of movie where it's like, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. have machines playing tic-tac-toe so we don't blow up the world. Um I, you know, I don't mean that I don't mean to sound doomsday, but that's, you know, the cyber warfare that is happening is it's real. And it's it's um, I feel that it's it's uh, something that we should be paying attention to, especially with the rise of AI. I think it's also, you know, the the lead up to it as well. I mean, all of the um, the bots that are pushing the misinformation on across social media and getting everybody riled up and and thinking, you know, who's right, who's wrong without actually having the facts. I mean, all of that leading up to it is is also pretty scary because that leads to just, you know, in communities, <laughs> you know, around here where people are are having debates and arguments over non-factual uh you know information that they're they're getting from god knows where as far as uh the bots are you know are concerned so yeah it is, it is an interesting thought though i mean it's hap- it's happening right i mean it's we're living it every day as joe said that's a scary thing yeah, yeah. But, joe, i think people need to stop watching war games a film right yeah <laughs> and give them ideas i'm sorry i mean it's like you know yeah i mean it it you know, and then you take it a step further, and these these platforms. I mean, one. Uh, what was the one that was just released? Um, A11, I believe, that was just came out a couple of weeks ago. Especially with all this, you know, generative AI stuff coming out, and how easy it is for folks to, you know, just just create a voice, right? And, and it was um, the big one that was recent was um, the woman that played Hermione uh, in Harry Potter, uh, Emily. Emily, someone, um, but anyway, they, someone, someone used, I forget the exact name, but basically was able to mimic her voice and they threw it up on either Reddit or 4chan, one of the sites and, sh- and, and had her reading, uh, Hitler's Mein Kampf. And it's like, that's how easy it is. Right. So think about all the fake news. we you know, we talk about that and what's, you know, is there, is there going to be propaganda and that that's part of war too, right? Using this technology, using AI, this technology to, sort of persuade or manipulate or, or build propaganda, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know. Well, the worry is deep fakes, right? I'll tell you what the biggest worry is, and I don't know what you guys think, is we know this is happening. We know it's going to happen a lot more with the ethics, but no one's set up an ethics. No governments have set up any ethics or no government are actually anywhere near this on what they should be doing. How do we police it? How do we control it? It's like, um, remember the hearings with 
Google and Amazon and all the tech giants a few years ago when they were in when they were in court yeah. in America. Mm-hmm. It's like the senators just didn't know what the questions they asked were so stupid <laughs> and they just didn't understand the technology and that's that's just website platform companies right you're thinking ai if they're not policing that we're in a lot of trouble yeah i agree i i do i think and 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 shahid and faisal i think that you'll know this uh, more but i i remember a couple years ago when when gdpr was put in place wasn't there something um wasn't there part of that you uh, companies had to explain how algorithms work in a sort of like a in a in, in in like a layman's way so folks could understand like what is happening. Yeah, I think there is something in there in the in the laws and stuff, but I mean, no one can explain how algorithms work properly by GDPR. <laughs> That's the problem as well. So they're laying a law down where it could be exploited, right? Big time. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think the ethics is really interesting clearly because ai doesn't come with ethics right so that's going to be the sort of human component and it's clear that governments obviously don't understand how to harness this power right which is kind of worrying because governments getting into this at the same time right i I was sort of reading this thing the other day and this really brilliant article and it was all talking about this dystopian future right? That's what George Orwell painted and August uh, Huxley did. George Orwell's obviously around about the 1984 Big Brother state, but um, Huxley, his whole thing is about worrying about us drowning in information, right? We just think about the gigabytes used on social media and Substack and all those sorts of things. Like how on earth are we meant to discern the, the truth amongst all of this? Right, and then it's, we'll get, it's sort of exacerbated by the metaverse mm. <laughs> pulling us into this wormhole of VR, and it's kind of scary because you know on one side it's like, well, is AI the answer to everything? It probably, you know, I guess when you're sort of going into the realm of diagnosing cancers, it's amazing when you can see the potential of what it can do. But you know, when you start talking about ethics, Faisal, there's this whole issue on how government wants to harness this power. But then they don't really understand. They don't really understand it. <laughs> so you could, yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd spitball. They're, li- they're literally millions. They're millions of years behind, right? The government on this as well. I mean, I always tell Joe, I just want to buy a farm and chill. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you know, they have AI on farms, right? Like, aren't they <laughs> using yeah, AI's already? There. Yeah, you know, oh, edge computing. Well. I I need more rain, so turn the sprinklers on. You know, I you know. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, but when you think of ethics, if we bring it down to even simple things, right? So, ChatGPT is given Google, Amazon, being a, a bit of a kick up the ass to launch their chat GPT services really quickly, right? Their their AI services quicker than they were planning. So there's an ethics problem, I reckon, in rushing those products because you're missing out loads of diversity issues. Do you mm-hmm. see what I mean? I've I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, it's 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 so true. I um we 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 recently were just presenting um you know Gen AI and and you know when we think of Gen AI we're thinking of chat like you're saying chat GPT and you know, some of these other text, the creation platforms like Midjourney or, or Dali. But um, one of the things that I did, and, and it was just, it was just the, like, I wanted to see what would happen. Um, I went to Midjourney and I 
literally just typed in the word man. That's it. Just man. And I had the system render um, what it would, you know, you know, what, 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 what is man? How do you interpret that? And what I got back were. Careful what you say, Joe. We're not going to get canceled on this podcast. No, no, no. You? no. <laughs> uh, uh, what I got back was, was for white men. And, and oh, wow. I, did, I said, oh, that's interesting. And I did it again. And I got four white men again. Now, different ages, but they, they were just all white men. So then I said, all right, well, let me try woman. So literally just the word woman. And I got back for white woman. So yeah, there's definitely bias um, in these platforms. No doubt about it. And that, that all stems down to being ethical, right? It's not, it's not ethical at all. Even like the basics, even if you type in, I, I mean, I haven't done this for years, but if you type in into Google search babies, it comes up with all white babies. If you type in gangs, it's all it's all gangs from LA and South South Bronx and do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's always mm-hmm. the ethic it's all it, it's sad that we live it every day, but what worries me is rushing these products, we're missing that ethical element to bias as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where I think it goes to, you know, everybody and this is the big question from everyone or they're thinking it is you know, is this new AI, uh, these AI powered tools, is this what's going to take my job? And, you know, it, I think it's, you still need that, that, um, that human being on the, on the uh, keyboard end, if you will, that is going to make those, um, you know, make sure that they're thinking of things like I- inclusivity and, and they're thinking of the audience and they're, they're doing all of that. So that if, I am talking to Joe and he says, you know, man or woman, um, I should be able to follow up with questions, you know, to find out more, gather the insights and learn more about what Joe is looking to achieve with, you know, those images or what have you. And so um, that's where AI, I feel it's still, you know, it's got a ways to go, especially in the, in the creative field. Yeah. Sorry, this is a really stupid question, but but where does that bias come from? Oh, just, uh, just white male programmers. Wait, that's me. <laughs> that's why, uh, yeah, if you put in a uh, good looking male, Joe's picture comes up every single time. <laughs> well, well you, know, you know, to that too, though, what's funny is like I even put in the other day, I put in uh, in mid-journey, I put in creative engineer comma geek. And again, it came back with, you know, it did come back with some pretty cool pictures of, you know, what, like a, you know, a tinker or maker type style image came back, but it was all white. It was, you know, four, yeah. four white men that came back, you know, it's, um, mm-hmm. but, um, it's worrying, right? Especially, it is. I mean, we can, when we can go into some healthcare stuff and pharma stuff, but yeah, when it's related to patients and helping people, and if it's got a bias, we're in trouble. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's, that's huge for clinical trials, right? We're trying to fix that. Yeah. 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 Massively. So I saw, I saw a stat, I think you guys must've seen this stat as well. I think it was McKinsey, but they were saying something between like 500, 800 million jobs are going to be lost because of AI by like 2025 or 2027 or something like that. Wow. Is that right? Wow. That- yeah. Scary, right? Because you can, what sort of jobs? Uh, I'll send. I'll send 
around the link and stuff, but a lot of it is programming jobs, right? Yeah. A lot of it is automation jobs. Yeah. Well, that's anything that's considered more of a hard skill, I think, is, you know, that those, those are, that, that's a little bit uh, worrisome for sure. You know, programming, you know, the, where it's a bit more, you know, it's going to work or it's going to not uh, versus, you know, the things that require um, a little bit more sort of thought. That's why, you know, the news now, I'm sure you're all seeing, you know, OI, organoid intelligence, you know, and, and how it's uh, supposed to be able to decipher things, uh, even, you know, going to like a CAPTCHA as an example, where, um, you know, that that whole Turing test that's in a CAPTCHA is something that AI can't figure out yet, you know, same way it can't make those decisions or figure out bias, bias, or if it's doing something that is or creating something that is um, not inclusive, you know. What was that, Chris? Organoid? Organoid intelligence. Yeah, yeah. So this is the... What, what is that? So this is using um, all kinds of, so you, you Google this, you'll get a million, you'll go down a rabbit hole, but it, it's using um, basically tissue, organic tissue, and they're, they're, they're using stem cells and, and whatnot to create uh, tissue that can actually, uh, eventually, they're thinking, will think for itself. But um, it's uh, it's supposed to be the next uh, the next big thing, and so that that'll be our next podcast. Uh, wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez, cool. I mean, this is this is really fascinating already, and we've only sort of you know scratched the surface here. All three of you are very sort of in in this world. This is your space. You're breathing it in and out every every single second of the day. Is there anything going on? outside of our industry that you can kind of see that some amazing things going on because we're talking a lot about misinformation and fake news and you know that's obviously all quite dark and kind of terrifying is there anything positive outside where this this sort of technology is being used that we can kind of get a little bit more hope from joe do you want to kick off you read a I tell you what, the cool thing, when we were thinking about AI in the past, is AI DJs, so basically reading the the crowd at a club or rave, and then playing the right music to build people up, to to build people up, get them dancing, slow them down, etc., like actual DJs do. But Spotify launched that last week. They've launched an AI DJ service, which is quite cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Is that being used anywhere, or is it just the technologies out it's at the just, moment? It's just you, technology, and and then the way you got to think about this stuff is, it's still with still day one with all this what's happening. So there'd be a lot of things that could be cool, but won't turn out to be cool. It's like the internet in '95, right? And watching video on the internet in '95 wasn't good, right? So, <laughs> so it's sort of still day one. AI in general, there's there's definitely some good. I mean, well, I guess outside, I don't know so much outside the industry, but I mean, just to talk about some good. I mean, you know, doing doing helping doctors find cancer in images, things like that, like that that that's starting to get better, right? And um, you know, I I literally just opened up. Um, I subscribe to the MIT Technology Review magazine. Yes, I still get a magazine once in a while. I do like I do like a hard copy, um, but you know, it's. One of, one of the ty- I, and I have not read it and I will, but just to throw it out there for folks listening, um, there, there's, there's, you know, one of the big articles here is designing drugs with AI. 
And that is something that um, we are seeing. Like we, I read an article recently where they're using Gen AI to even help fill in proteins on, on DNA, you know, within DNA to, you know, you know, so <clears throat> be, being able to put in some sort of algorithm and, and again, way above my pay grade, but you know, these, these doctors and, 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 you know, they're, they're figuring out ways of using, you know, artificial intelligence to help them, you know, sort of fill in, you know, protein gaps, uh, you know, in, within DNA, like that's, that's pretty mind blowing. Um, and I can, I can send that article around as well for folks to read. There's a cool company in the UK you should check out, Joe, called Benelevant AI. AI. Yeah. Um, and they do quite a lot. Of, they've been doing this, what you just mentioned, for a few years now. And they're a really cool company to watch out for. Uh, that's cool. Um, I, you know, just not not to go back to the dark side, though, but the, you know, the one thing that I, <laughs> the one, one <laughs> sorry, <What? laughs> I, I, ha I have to say, when, when we talk about this stuff, it's just something that it, it, it always bothers me, especially with a, I have a fourteen-year-old, you know, you know, teenage daughter that's that's on these these sort of you know these social platforms, and I've I've done my best to try to educate privacy, security, and how all this stuff works. But the one thing I think we always forget is just these algorithms in general, and 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 how these these sort of social platforms are you know their recommendation engines, right? And and how they start predicting things, and you know, I I, I don't know, I, I feel that that is. Um, it's 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 not fair to mm -hmm. to the folks that are on the platforms because these things are making they're looking at billions of data points and making decisions to try to keep you within this rabbit hole right and that's the whole idea right the, the idea of these platforms is to keep you engaged to give you more ads to keep you engaged and you sort of get caught up in this loop and that's it and i i have to say like i feel that it's not a fair it's not fair for folks that don't understand like that's that's what they're doing and that's where you know again i don't want to go back and you know ai is bad but and that goes back to the whole gdpr thing is like you know do we do we educate folks and like this is what's actually happening right um so just throw that out there it's like i just, I just always have to sort of bring that up no, I just to add, I mean, I think uh, totally agree where it's there. It will be used for lots of good it, uh, it, and it will be used for lots of bad. It's that simple. I mean, um, I think another good point with AI is uh, eventually when it will make uh, people's jobs, you know, it's not all about replacing jobs, but uh, helping people become more efficient with their jobs. Um, even with what we do, um, when we're using these new Gen AI, Gen AI platforms to help us uh, get past uh, writer's block or to uh, generate some, you know, placeholder imagery that um, to, you know, just get the creative juices flowing. I mean, there, there's definitely a good point to it there. Uh, if we're using it to create uh, imagery or text because we want to cheat on a test or or we, we're going to claim it as our own artwork, then yeah, definitely the, the ethics uh, come back into uh, as a concern. But, um, and then I, I think another good point with AI, there, there's uh, lots going on now with uh, helping the disability community as well. You know, so if AI can help people with uh, like cognitive issues, as an example, uh, that's definitely a good use case for it, uh, for sure. So you know, it's good and bad. It all depends on um, the hands it, it gets into and what they choose to do with it. Yeah, I, th I think that's really both both some really great insights there. I mean, the fact that it might not necessarily lead to jobs being lost, but it just gives us back more time. 
you know, I saw something on, on LinkedIn, I think it was yesterday saying that AI is what the microwave did mm. to the kitchen. Oh yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Which is, which is quite nice. But then like, you know, what, what you're talking about, Joe, with the whole algorithms, I mean, that is, that's still kind of like the big elephant in the room, right? For whether you're a parent or not, if all of a sudden, you know, genie popped up in front of you and could fix this, what, I mean, what would ideally would you do to sort of help protect your, your daughter and other, other daughters and sons around the world? Man, I, it's, for me, it's simple. I, you know, I, I have to tell you, I miss the days, the original days of Twitter. I mean, I jumped, I mean, I've jumped off social media about eight years ago and, uh, I used to love Twitter. I, I was, you know, it, when it first came out, I was, I was on it and it was like a news aggregator. Um, I, I mean, the, the simple answer is just get, I, and I know this isn't going to happen, but get rid of the algorithms. You know, what, mm. I, what, let me search out what I want to follow and what I want to read and stop trying to force things, you know, in, in my feed. And, and I got to tell you, that's when that started happening on Twitter, that's when I jumped off. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not following Like, why, why am I getting feeds from, you know, whatever random, you know, oh, because I, I look like someone else, like I'm a lookalike. And now you're trying to, you know, feed me these other, these other, you know, the articles or, 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 or advertisements. And, and it's just, um, I know that will never happen, but honestly, it's just the it, it, simple solution is just get rid of the algorithms on these platforms. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, uh, if that, that genie existed, uh, to make everything force everything to be an opt in, you know, cause there's, there's just so much that is forced on us that we never opted into, you know, and we're getting, it's funny because, you know, we deal with a lot of, uh, obviously, um, pharmaceutical healthcare clients. I'm on my browser all day long, which I'm logged into because I need my bookmarks and my plugins and extensions and whatnot. But my entire history is every single drug that exists out there. And I'm getting served up ads for every single <laughs> drug that exists out there for conditions I don't have, you know. Um, so they have me in a user segment as the sickest man in the world, you know. <laughs> and there's nothing I could do about it, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Faisal, let's go to you because you're kind of, you've had lots of experience agency side and client side. What from the sort of client world are you seeing, hearing in terms of how AI is changing that side of the, the world? I mean, it's exactly what Joe said. I mean, AI, AI is embedded in everything we do at the moment. So it's like if we take it from the bigger picture, so AI is involved with all clinical trials, um, finding diseases like Joe was talking about, like um, diagnosis. AI, we 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 use AI to help with diagnosis. Um, so that part, the science part, and drug discovery and drug development, pharma companies are way ahead on AI. I don't think there's a company that doesn't do it. I don't think I can't think of a pharma company that doesn't use AI for clinical trial and drug discovery and and um, helping with diagnosis. I think the key thing what we need to move into is helping AI with our day-to-day -day marketing, right? Our day-to-day -day communications. Just to unpack that a little bit, with the diagnosis and the drug discovery, has that led to anyone losing their job? No, it's, it's helped people with their jobs. Yeah. 
Right. Okay, cool. Because that's kind of where, where I was, where my head yeah. was going. It's about releasing time so people can just get on with yeah. other things and yeah. do more rather yeah. than... So, I mean, okay. there's loads of good stories out there that people can Google, but um, yeah, it's just helping scientists with the discovery quicker, which is great for humanity, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the good thing about it. I think where we need to start using it, and that's with us guys as well, like in our day-to-day work, how we have AI emails so we don't have to respond to emails all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think those assistants are coming and they need to come quicker. Which is a really great segue, I guess, into, you know, the day-to-day work that we all do and, and people listening to this podcast, I guess, also do. So let's talk about the marketing side, because I guess this is kind of where we are in the world right now. We are kind of at the sort of crossroads of this transition, right? Everyone's kind of talking about AI. I think you've got one side of the argument where people are really scared for their own jobs. You know, this our copyright is redundant now, our design is redundant, illustrators, all those sorts of things. I personally don't think so but anyway this is the bit this is the time to maybe talk about this and talk about some of the challenges um some of the opportunities and some just some some really helpful advice for anyone in an agency right now who kind of is just sort of looking at the world and just seeing all of these conversations going on and just maybe feeling a little bit overwhelmed and lost with it all <laughs> who wants to kick yeah, that one that's, off <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite funny right and joe joe can jump in so I've, I got in a lot of trouble. I think Joe maybe got in a bit of trouble as well. So years ago, <laughs> we were talking to IBM about creating scripts for adverts. Creating, creating a, a brief um, for an advert. So put, putting oh, a brief into IBM Watson and it spurting out an advert. And I think a couple of years and it got shot down and it was like, what are you doing? This is people's jobs. <laughs> and uh, it actually happened and it won a Cannes Award a couple of years later from another company in Singapore. What was it? Oh, I can't remember. We can dig it up, but it won a Cannes Award. The idea won a Cannes Award a few years later after we suggested it. Also suggesting like medical writers, right, is writing the copy a bit quicker. That's That was one of the other suggestions. I don't know if you can remember it, Joe. I don't. I don't remember that. We'll have to dig that one up. I remember I, we were talking about it, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that was, what, six years ago, right? Yeah. I think it, that was a while ago. And it's just starting to happen now a little bit. Yeah. The, I, I'll say, you know, just, just this, you know, back to what you were saying, Shahid, though, is that I heard I heard a quote, and it, the quote, it, it says something along the lines of, um, you know, you're not going to lose your job to AI, but you'll lose your job to somebody who knows AI, right? Or knows how to use these platforms. And I think that's, I think that's where we're going. I think that's, these, these tools, all of these tools are going to be just part of your toolbox. Now your creative toolbox, if that's, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're in Photoshop or InDesign or XD, whatever it may be, or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, platform you're using or, you know, you know, you're, you're in word and you're, you're writing and, and, you know, you know, Microsoft partnered, you know, with, you know, open AI and, you know, now you have, you know, chat GPT built into 365, you know, your 365 products, which they're doing, you know, yeah, you'll, it's going to augment your, your sort of writing or, or your designing, but at the, at the end of the day, you still need a human to, 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 mm-hmm. to, 
to, I guess, you know, finalize that product or finalize that end piece of if, if it's a, you know, piece of text, if it's a you know piece of art, you still need that human, that human touch. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Where it's, you know, making jobs more efficient, making you more effective at your job. And to your point, she, you know, giving you time back if it, if it leads to that even better, you know, but the idea of that you are adding this to your toolbox and, you know, you have a brand new tool that it works better than, you know, whatever you were using before. Um, why wouldn't you want to embrace that? Jade, could you, I mean, I don't know if you've talked about it and stuff, but could you use it in, so when it comes down to pitches, right? Pitches with an agency mm-hmm. is just, obviously we just never have enough time to, everyone's got their day-to-day job, a big pitch happens and we drop everything. Has anyone talked about using AI tools for helping with pitches? No, I just, uh, Joe, I'm thinking of what Jerlyn did with that storyboard, which was incredible, you know, and everything from the storytelling to the imagery that was used. Um, and this was not something that was, you know, going to the presses. It was just something to show and share with the team to inspire and to get uh, people thinking uh, how to take it further, but it was an incredible starting point, a jumping off point, which would have taken, you know, probably 10 times the amount of time was done so quickly and uh, efficiently. And so I think, um, you know, using it for things like that uh, in, in pitches and whatnot for creating any of the, you know, this is specifically around Gen AI and, you know, that's the hot topic now with the mid journeys and dollies and stuff like that. But uh, you know, being able to use those tools to just whip up images or, or get you some starting points for copy. Um, I think it's as long as you're, you're not using it as if you remember the days of um, when Adobe Photoshop uh, introduced, uh, you know, some of the, the cool effects like the, the lens flare and things like that. There were so many um, designers or digital artists that were guilty of um, creating what we would refer to as push button art, you know, and it was just, um, yeah, click this button, get that lens flare, click this button, get a cool effect here. And then it, you know, it didn't really look right in the end, as long as we're not using this generative AI and these tools to do the same thing, but we're taking it and using it as something that we can massage and, and polish up and, and really make it our own. Um, I think it could really be effective. Let's unpack that a little bit, Chris, cause that's really sort of got a few things going off in my mind that I think could be interesting here. Let me answer your question first, Faisal. I think there have been situations from my knowledge of speaking to people in agencies where they have used AI to help fast tracks the pitch process. I think some some people are even putting their briefs through yeah. <laughs> uh, AI and getting better insights, which sort of leads me down to, you know, the state of farmer advertising. It's certainly got much better over the last 10 years and award shows kind of highlight the sort of one percent of output but i guess if we're going to be completely transparent and you know frank here most farmer advertising kind of still looks fairly template driven it's always about showing the patient they're looking into the camera there's a little bit of a headline i know that's challenging because of all the regulations that go with it but actually to replicate that through these ai platforms it's I don't. I guess it's not really pushing them. <laughs> it's not pushing them that much. So if that makes us as as an industry basically less complacent or uh, lazy, I guess with our creativity of how we sort of launch these farmer brands, 
that can only be a good thing because it is easy replicated. It can feel sometimes a little bit too templatey. Mm-hmm. But I guess then that that maybe goes on to something that you mentioned to me the other day, Faisal, where you were talk- we were talking about detail aids and, and you were saying that the place where you're currently working, there are no need for detail aids because there are no sales reps anymore. Yeah, I mean... It's it it's it and Chris can jump in here, right? Because we've sort of been banging this drum for years. It's actually you looking at human behaviour. Um, I mean, and what we've done is we've always so in pharma we've always gone, what stuff can we give to the sales rep? What what um, creative, what printouts, detail aids, something we can give to the to sales rep straight away, right? And and we've always leaned towards that point as an industry. It's like sales aid, stuff for the sales rep, work down, et cetera, most of the time, right? So if you if you eliminate, the, if you then go back to human behavior and how doctors interact, they don't have time to see reps. Do you see, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want them to have time to see reps. And it's and I've sort of been banging that drum for years. So, for example, I think my dad, when my dad was in hospital, he was having a quick checkup, and I was just waiting for him. And in the waiting room, there was four, 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 five reps just sat there in the waiting room. And I and, and my dad went in for a quick checkup. This was many, many years ago. And I thought, I want the doctor to see my dad. I don't want the doctor to see these reps. <laughs> yeah. Do you I want him to have more time to see I want more time to see the patients versus seeing reps. But then flip it the other way is mm-hmm. and then Chris can jump in, is if you look at usability, CX and stuff, they're still after that content, the doctors, but seed it in the places they are and and mm-hmm. at the time they want to see it rather than during the hours of surgery when they need to see patients. I went on a bit of a rant there, but I don't know if it's answered your question. I guess I don't know what my question was. I guess. (laughs) 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 What was the answer? I think it it was the end of the detail aid, right? Yeah. Fine, we can fast track, you know, pictures and words, but actually fundamentally, is this the end of the detail aid? The answer's in the data, right? So... I mean, and some of the stuff I was talking about, looking at users first and working backwards, but the answer's in the data. Pull up the, the data from Viva and see how long they spend and interact with each different pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the rep rides that I've been on, um, if they get the an audience with the doctor, it's no longer than two minutes that they're talking with them. And, you know, we spend a lot of time with, uh, you know, the campaign and, and all the, the beautiful artwork that goes into it. Most times, I mean, I witnessed this on these rep rides, they will go directly to, before they even walk into the office, they're going directly to the screen that they know will resonate with the doctor um, or get them the most time. They're not spending time, you know, showing off the campaign artwork or, or pushing that, forcing that down their throats. They're going right to the data. They're going right to the content. I mean, Technically speaking, I mean that that visit could be simply just copy and and charts, and it would probably be as effective, you know. Uh, but it's uh, I think the the AI part there. What is interesting there to your point, Faisal, with 
you know, focusing on, uh, in this case, there are two end users. There's the, the um, presenter, the rep, and then the viewer, the physician. And if we're using AI to do more things like sentiment analysis to see um, what is grabbing the physician's attention, what are they spending most time with, using that to then generate automatically and dynamically new content um, that is almost like uh, a bit more storytelling, building on what you spoke about last time instead of just repeating the same thing uh, from last time. I think that that could be a good use of uh, some AI uh, power tools. I mean, Joe, Joe can jump in, right? So Joe designed something years ago, um, which actually just did what you said, Chris, <laughs> uh, built on Viva, turning it into using our machine learning and actually then spurting out the content personalized on different platforms. And I and I literally, I think Viva announced something similar about a few months ago right there at their national summit, et cetera. And Joe, honestly, Joe's got the design. He did it about eight years ago. Yeah. Right. Joe, did did, uh, did Viva send you the uh, residual check for your work? It, it, you know, it, yeah, it's funny. I mean, it, it's so funny that we're – sometimes we're sort of ahead of ahead of the curve here. And Yeah, we yeah. did. We, we um, you know, we basically – we were we were looking at, you know, the data with inside the Viva platform and pulling that out and then – you know, updating or, or changing the content dynamically on websites, depending on which doctor, you know, cause you know, you know, if you can, if you send someone, you know, again, I, I haven't been in Viva in a long time, but if you send, if you send a doctor an approved email and that approved email is tagged with that, that physician and you send them to a website, you're basically, that's full circle. So you can start dynamically changing content and, you know, in both of these platforms. And so, yeah, we mm-hmm. did that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Faisal, that was like, Seven years ago, we were doing that. We had yeah. it working. We had it up and working, and a whole prototype working. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is, if you took, uh, if you utilized um, like a, a GPT three or something along those lines, where it generated new content, completely new content, which is probably not feasible yeah, in exactly. our regulated yeah. environment because MLR and the reviews and whatnot. But you know, so saying what what you did, Joe, which was cutting edge even today, but taking it a step further. And utilizing AI to to re um, reconfigure the content, or and unless this is exactly what you did, then you you should have uh, copyrighted that or patented that <laughs> back then. <laughs> but you know, using that generative AI to change images on the fly, to change the the copy on the fly, but that was yeah. really driven by uh, the insights gathered from the last call. Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, to, to your point, Chris. I want the NHS to do their own chat GPT and, and as, and pharma as an industry can provide content into that chat GPT that would help patients so they can help with their diagnosis quicker. So at the moment you see a lot of doctors Mm -hmm. and I've seen this when I've gone into my doctor, they've been Googling while you've been talking to them and you think, and doctors do that right doctors do that you're thinking god hopefully they're... and that's all... a white man pops up on Faisal's doctor's that's, screen that's all... <laughs> is this you <laughs> and, and that's all based on on trying to game the google algorithm right so chat gbt and supporting chat gbt within the nhs is 
I mean, it should happen now, but it might take a few years. Yeah, no, it, we're getting there. I mean, the one thing when we're talking about this stuff, the one thing I always talk about is that, you know, ChatGPT is amazing, right? It, 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 it's, it's, it's really good at creating human-like um, content or, you know, spoken, spoken content or how, how a human would how, how a human would talk, but just remember, like we, what we're finding is that we're 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 now calling ChatGPT like the bullshit machine, because yeah. it's really good at spitting out that content, but that content may or may not be factual. And I will give you an example. Mm-hmm. I went down a rabbit hole and I asked ChatGPT, "What is the distance between Los Angeles, California, and Tokyo, Japan?" And I did it ten times, and I got ten different answers. And the funny thing is, is I even, I, when I would get an answer, I would ask, how did you get to this answer? And it was pretty amazing. And it was very confident. It came back with, you know, you know, how it used, you know, you know, math to figure out the curvature of the earth and, you know, in the shortest distance and all this, I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty amazing. (laughs) It's very convincing. It's convincing, right? (laughs) So, So I, you know, when I talked to clients or when I talked to folks that said, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that we can do this, but what I what's going to start happening with these platforms is you're going to start seeing things that are more domain specific, or you're going to start seeing what what or what they call fine tuning these models, and that's what we're starting to do. We're starting to take brand content, like the medical data from from a specific brand or, or drug, and you're using that on top of like an open AI or you know one of these large language models. And it's using that factual data then to create content. That's where the, that's that's when these systems are going to become very powerful. Is that now now we're getting very specific on on that that sort of vertical because it's all based on the input as well, right? What people are inputting as well, Jake. So just imagine just imagine yeah. thousands of well millions of doctors inputting different questions, different queries, different symptoms. It was just going to build up a massive database right yeah absolutely yeah we we i mean you could definitely take all of those queries and all of that information and and build so so recently i read an article it's um uh, stanford university partnered with uh pubmed and you know pubmed is 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 sort of it, well yeah, sort of it is the go-to for sir you know for our medical folks and um they have built a chat gpt like system on top of all of the pubmed data so they they have now taken all of these white papers that doctors have written, and you can go and start querying that. You can ask it questions. You can you can say you know or or write me a summary or summarize this in you know fifth grade level or what you know whatever it may be. Um, but that it's it's a really interesting use of this technology within a specific vertical with you know making it w- with all of that data that they have, and that's all factual. Like that that to me is powerful. That's 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 where the 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 I think the some of the better use cases of, of this technology. And do, trainee doctors are going to start using that a lot now, right? And they're in the right age group as well. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, you know, we're already talking about you know how I mean, we we're talking to the company that partnered with uh with PubMed, and you know they've already given us the code for that. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna hopefully get that up and running. But it is interesting, Joe, that um, it's still a human that has to feed all that data to make it as smart as it's going <laughs> to be. Now, 
<laughs> for now. Don't forget for now. the humans. <laughs> Jay, what are yeah. you going to call this tool? Chat Joe or? <laughs> I, don't think any, I don't think anyone wants to chat Joe. I talk enough. <laughs> Chat uh, Joe PT. There it is. Just unplug it. Please unplug them. <laughs> One of the sort of pinch points in, in all agencies, right? And that's market research. Is <laughs> is there anything in this in the market research space where AI might make it a slightly, I don't know, better experience? I mean, have you heard of anything? Can you share anything around that? Yeah. Um, you know, we are you know, for us in our group, um, you know, we're all about human centered design. And funny enough, we're talking about robots and AI, but we're about the human, right? And, you know, part of what we do is um, in order to empathize with those humans or the end user, we are uh, collecting as many insights as we can to uh, craft those personas. And so we're looking at ways to, if we um, develop a persona or an end user type, uh, to leverage um, conversational AI or machine learning so that uh, if we want to, you know, because you may have those specific users that you find that there's a repeating pattern. So if I can now, instead of interviewing a whole uh, new group of users or people or respondents or what have you, maybe through conversational AI, I can continue to feed the machine and then I have a um, an AI powered uh, persona, so I can ask questions through conversation of that uh, persona and gather more insights. Because you know, it's it's in theory going to get smarter and know more about the uh, user that we're we're targeting or looking to empathize with. Can I talk? <laughs> he agrees. Dog is that an AI dog? <laughs> <laughs> or is it an AI powered dog? Is know. it an organoid? Yeah. yeah right. Oh, organoid. Yeah. Yeah. Sit. So you're happy listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, how, however we, again, however we choose to leverage these tools or utilize these tools, that's, that's really what's going to make the difference. Agency folk who are really into AI at the moment, they're playing on mid journey and darling, all these sorts of things. For those people that haven't even touched this, at all what can you give them any advice of like where to go to find out more where to play and where to get a little bit more education and excited about this uh, oh my gosh i, I mean, know the, where the to begin is, right I mean, it's it's yeah it's changing so fast. um i guess the easiest thing to do is just open ai right um i would just go to open ai that's that's everyone's talking about chat gpt that's you know you can't open up a news article now or, or look at a news news feed without seeing something around chat GPT. Um, and they, they have, you know, they have also Dali and, and, and it's free. You can sign up. It's, you can get in there, you can start playing around with it. And, um, you know, it's free to, I think, I forget how many credits you get, but, um, you know, it, it, at least to get you in there. I mean, that, that would be a good start or even, um, I know a lot of folks love mid journey and that's free too. You can, you can get in there and get some credits and, um, so what is it? Midjourney.com um, and OpenAI would be a good place to start uh, just to get in there and start start playing around with these platforms. I think, you know, I, I always, uh, you know, when you go to chat GPT and the site's down, which um, was happening a lot <laughs> recently, um, you know, then go head over to 
I think YouTube, just a source of information, just to understand. I, I like to understand how things work before I start using them. And um, there are a lot of great, um, you know, videos and uh, 101s and, you know, boot camps and whatnot that exist to give you an understanding of what the tools are, how they work and how they can be utilized. And then you go and sink your teeth into it, uh, logging in and creating an account on one of those uh, services. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Just there's some sort of spitboarding with you here. How, how, how do the licenses work? Right, because obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, if you're creating any sort of visual, right, mid journey, that as an example, you know, this is clearly using things that have been done before. You're sort of taking other people's work, essentially. How 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 does the whole licensing aspect? How's that all playing out at the moment? We're gonna we're gonna get into yeah. the copyright talk now. So who brought <laughs> their attorney with them? <laughs> you know, it's so it's so funny because I think that's such a nebulous area still. And I, I think it uh, and Joe, I'm sure you would agree. But, you know, from one organization to the next, it's being interpreted differently. You know, of course, everybody I think the best advice is to really play it safe because, um, you know, there are so many uh, different organizations. Now there are websites uh, from uh, that are, were started by illustrators and things like that that are like. Uh, protesting the whole AI thing and who does the artwork belong to and who owns the copyright and that kind of thing. Um, Joe, where did we even net out on that? I'm trying to recall yeah. where we left off there. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I'm, 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 I, again, I think a lot of, I, you know, these tools, when, when we're using these, well, to, to answer your question, Chris, is that we're, we're still we're, we're still figuring out all the copyright you know they're, they're, we're still figuring all this stuff out too right we're not you know if yeah. we're using it for internal work that's fine we can we can go through and in, in what i say is a one-to-one right i i put a prompt into one of these systems and i get something out and and i can use that for a storyboard or, or concepting and just you know idea generating that's fine um but if you're actually going to put something out in 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 public and it's going to be part of a marketing materials I've always, you know, I've said this to clients and I say this, you know, and, and, and it's, you're never, it's never going to be a one-to-one, right? Like if I go to a mid journey and I put in a prompt, you know, two people walking down a beach, you know, one person holding an umbrella, right? That's, that's that every, I don't know why I go to that for my pharma, you know, that's your pharma advert, advert, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly, that's pharma advert, right? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Running in slow motion on the beach. Yeah, exactly. Or two <laughs> people sitting people. on a, you know, two people sitting on a bench in a park, whatever it may be. Um, you know, it, it, you're never going to use that image one-to-one. You might take parts of that image. So you might like, oh, that background's pretty cool. And you can take that background and bring that into Photoshop. And then you go back into another platform and you ask for another prompt and you get something different. And you're basically, you know, using these tools to generate, you know, generate pieces of art and you, you basically photo bash, right? You're bringing it all together and you're, you're creating something completely new out of, 300 images that you created in two hours and that that's where that's where it's good so it's never going to be a one-to-one um but i get it, it, it there, there are lawsuits right now that are happening there's a class action lawsuit you know against copilot which we were talking about earlier you know copilot you know is um is uh it helps you write code and you know now the, the same person that brought that you know class action lawsuit is now bringing another lawsuit up with, uh, with, uh, against stable diffusion and, and, you know, these, these, uh, text and image platforms. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm again, I'm on the fence with this stuff. I, you know, it's, it's, um, I get that some of these artists don't want their names in the, in these sort of algorithms and, you, you know, they're allowing them to opt out, but, um, I don't know. I will, we'll, we'll, it's, it's, it's going to take some time to sort of figure all this out. Yeah. Especially Joe, like when you use that, that prompt of, you know, holding the umbrella or what have you, when you start adding in things like in the style of, and then a, a given artist's name or what have you, then, then it becomes questionable for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it down to the ethics we talked about earlier that yeah. governments aren't keeping up? We're not keeping up, mm -hmm. right? Licensing. Every single facet of life isn't keeping up with what's happening. Right, right. Yeah. And there's the, you know, be able to uh, opt in instead of, uh, you know, being asked to opt out every single time. Yeah. I mean, Shaz, when's the, when's the first AI-powered creative award show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you you heard about the judges um, the robots, right? <laughs> <laughs> there was um, there it was recent. It was a couple months ago. It was in uh, the state of Colorado. They had um, there was a creative art show, and someone entered um, artwork that was created through Midjourney, and they won. And there mm -hmm. there there were people that were you know up in arms about it. Um, now the category was digital art. So I, I don't know. I mean, the, the piece that the person created was pretty beautiful. I don't, and, and if you saw the prompt that, you know, this, this person used, this artist used, I mean, it was not just two people walking down a beach holding an umbrella. It was, it was like a paragraph with all of these different parameters and modifiers. To me, that's, I don't know. You're now you're becoming creative. You're becoming an artist because you know how to talk to these systems to get the output that you want. And you're manipulating mm -hmm. that over and over and over again. You know, and that's what we call prompt engineering, right? It's this, it's this continuous, you put an image in, you get something out, you take that same image, you put it in and you modify it and you keep, you go on and on and on and you get this beautiful piece of art. It, to me, that's still creative. That's yeah. That, do you know what? That, that's, that's a really interesting point. Cause if you, even if you look at the art world, right, you look at um, Damien Hurst or Andy Warhol, they don't physically make anything with their own hands, right? They've mm -hmm. got the idea and they just use other people to make it for them. So it's the same premise of what you're saying. You've got the idea, you've got that sort of vision and you're just using something else to create it for you. So yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess that does tie back to the ethic question as well. Like, and who's setting those ethics, and uh, who, whose ethics are we are we judging all of these things against as well? I think we sort of come full circle somehow. Seemingly, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was planned. There you go, and we could talk about the organoids. <laughs> yeah, it's the the one thing I'll, I'll I'll throw out there is that um, you know, a lot of these. Most people, you know, I'm sort of giving away some of the some of the sauce here, but some of what most folks don't know, a lot of these platforms, they're trained um, off of a, a data set. It's called the Lion Database. Um, and I'll throw that in there, but it's definitely something that, you know, if you're listening, you know, I would definitely go check it out. And so if you like um, Stable Diffusion and, you know, these 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 text to image platforms are all trained off of a data set from what is called the line database just throwing that out there and you can check it out that's just something else that you know you can be down a rabbit hole with that as well yeah no that's amazing thank you let me try and conclude then 
I think we've 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 sort of seemed to have done a lot. I think we've covered war. <laughs> we've, we've we've covered the economic impact. We've talked about licensing. We've talked a lot. We're at the beginning and at the end around ethics. I guess one of the things that I got from this conversation is that this technology is here to stay. There's nothing we can do about it. We have to embrace it. We have to work mm-hmm. with it. And I think the the best thing about this whole thing that it will just keep pushing all of us to keep creating the future, right? Because fundamentally, it is creating some amazing stuff. But is it really creating originality if it's essentially using everything from the past? Mm-hmm. So I think from from a creative perspective, it only opens up opportunity for us to keep creating original things and the future. And if it gives us more time to spend, you know, on that beach with our umbrellas, why not? I think the AI DJs is a really lovely example of, of what this can do in a slightly different space. And and Chris, just want to thank you for sharing the word organoid because I'm going to go away and share that with my <laughs> kids later on today. <laughs> So thank you very much, Chris, Joe, and Faisal, for spending your your morning and your afternoon with me today. Feel free to come back on and, and talk about more stuff around this if you want to. And yeah, just thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks thank for you. having us. Thank you, man.